The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. Welcome again. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Great to have you with us today. Uh, Wow, how about that Super Bowl last week? Was that amazing? Oh my goodness. I feel bad for all the Falcon fans here. You know, didn't quite rise up. You rose up, then you kind of drifted a little bit and kind of fell flat. But um, we had like one lone Patriots fan last week. No, we had several, you know. But uh, anyway, good to have you with us today. But really what made last week amazing uh, was our, we baptized nine people last Sunday. That was awesome. Woo, yeah, that's great. And uh, if you would, take a look back there at the one sign. Man, we have moved to the N. We are completely lit up now on the O, or the logo. And uh, we have now uh, had somebody in the second service last week give their life to Christ. And uh, so 22 people uh, so far this year have given their lives to, uh, to Jesus uh, here at Coastal. So very exciting, very exciting. So that's really what made... Uh, last week, so awesome, I think. Um, hey, uh, another thing too, in your bulletin today, notice uh, that you got this kind of big, ginormous uh, postcard. Uh, we begin a new series next Sunday uh, called United We Stand. And uh, this obviously has a very kind of patriotic, you know, red, white, and blue star uh, kind of a, a theme or look to it. Uh, and that's very intentional. Uh, we're beginning a new series next week, and it's really just a kind of a short series, uh, but it's on unity. And uh, in fact, the first line of the little card says, let me state the obvious, we are a divided nation. And, uh, you know, we are living in a day and time when people cannot even uh, express an opinion uh, without being uh, vicious or polarizing people and, and attacking people. And, and we can't agree to disagree anymore and do it in love. And, and, uh, and I think as believers, we have forgotten uh, that this world is not our home. And the hope of the world is not in a party or a person. Uh, it's in the person of Jesus Christ. And our job is to look beyond all the, the madness of this world and to point people to him. And the very people that I see some of not some of you, maybe, I don't know, uh, but I see a lot of people on like in social media that are attacking other people, those very people that you are attacking, Jesus died on the cross for. That song that we just got finished singing, it was about those people that he did that for. And uh, it's our job, uh, you know, like the very people that you're yelling and screaming at and, and unfriending and won't have anything to do with or attacking, those are the very people that we're supposed to be building a relationship, a redemptive relationship of love with. They are the object of God's affection. And they're, they're, the, they're the mission, the why we exist. And uh, so anyway, it's, it's, it's just madness what we see today. So we're going to address it a little bit over the next couple of weeks as we talk about unity. Unity in our home, uh, unity in the church, and in our community. And uh, so it's going to be a great series, but the card, by the way, uh, in your bulletin, um, it's not for you. Uh, This is for you to give, give to someone. We sent out, uh, we were mailing these out in the West Ashley, James Island, Johns Island area, and uh, so we, um, you might have already gotten one in the mail, um, but we're going to be sending those out. So we would encourage you and challenge you uh, to, you know, to give that to your one, the person that you've been praying for uh, and reaching out to. So anyway, it's going to be a great series, and I think it's going to be very powerful and uh, much needed, uh, especially as we begin to till the soil as we move into uh, uh, get ready for Easter and have a big outreach here at Coastal. Well, today, as I said earlier, is the fifth and final week of this I Will series. Not I could, I might, I should, I will, uh, but, but I will. Each week, we've been challenging you basically to make a commitment uh, that would move you into action, that will lead you to growth. And uh, that's what this series has been about. It's about making commitments that lead to our growth. Now, the truth is, though, great results, okay, don't just happen by accident. They don't just happen. 
You know, you don't, you don't achieve a goal just by, you don't drift into greatness, okay? You don't drift into a healthy body. You don't drift into having a great marriage. You know, you don't just, uh, you know, get into financial freedom by, by accident. Instead, you have to be intentional. And uh, you've you got to force yourself to get very clear on, on what you want, you know, where you're headed, what your goal is, on why it's important, why you're heading there, and then you've got to pursue an action plan. Uh, in, each, in each one of these areas, in every area of life, there are next steps that need to be taken to move toward growth and success, uh, habits that help you achieve your objective you've got to develop in your life. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Your life is shaped by habits, habits. Everything that you do, everything that you do is shaped by your habits. And the difference, and I really believe this, the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people in any area of life, you know, physically, financially, relationally, spiritually, is that successful people are willing to take the time and the trouble to establish certain habits into their life that unsuccessful people aren't willing to establish. Effective, successful people build habits into, our, into their lives that ineffective people don't build into their life. And again, I really do believe the same is true of your Christian life. You know, your Christian journey, dynamic, growing Christians who see God working in their life, who see answer to prayer, who see things happening in their life on a regular daily basis, they are willing to build certain disciplines, certain habits into their lives that other people aren't. Now, over the years, and this is no exaggeration, okay, over the years of my life, uh, I have literally talked to, listened to, read about thousands, thousands of Christians, okay, And I've come to the conclusion that every dynamic, growing believer that I know, that I've read about, I've heard, I've seen, they have several things in common. Several things about their life that they have in common. They have have certain basic habits that they have put into their life, that they have followed in their life, that have helped them to become more effective, more, more successful, growing as a believer. Now, there's a lot of emphasis today, of course, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, on physical fitness and and getting healthy. And and I I think that's great. In fact, uh, one of the messages in the series, I Will series, was, if you remember the second one, I will get healthy. And and I I challenge you to make that commitment in this year. And and that is great. But today, we're going to wrap up this series by talking about being spiritually fit, okay? 1 Timothy 4, I read it earlier, I want to read it again. Listen to this. It's there on your outline. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, spend your time and your energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Now, again, if if you're taking notes, if you have an outline in front of you, circle those words, time and energy, okay? Time and energy, because what I want us to talk about today definitely takes time and energy. In fact, any habit that you put in your life, it requires time, energy, effort, resources. And in other words, I think you ought to know up front you know, what you're getting into. You ought to know up front that the, what you're going to accomplish, what you're going to do, it, it's a challenging assignment. However, here's the good news. If you do this, if you are willing to take the time and the effort and the energy to become spiritually fit, which, by the way, again, physical fitness is important. There's, I mean, you ought to be getting healthy. We've talked a lot about that. But in the long run, okay, 
spiritual fitness is so much greater. Look at verse 8. He says, physical exercise, yes, it has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important. Why? For it promises a reward both now, in this life, and then when? When? In the next life. That's what he says. So yeah, you know, you ought to get healthy. He says that's important. But do not, and it's amazing, by the way, how much time and energy and effort we spend in physical fitness. But let me ask you a question. Are you spending that same amount of time and that same amount of energy and effort in your spiritual life? So how do you get spiritually fit? Well, it's simple. By doing spiritual exercises, right? I mean, obviously, how do you get physically fit? Uh, you do physical exercises. Now, we realize, you know, from, from early on that there are basically four, you know, basic ingredients to getting physically fit. This past year, I mean, I've been asked a million times by people, you know, Pastor Chris, how'd you lose all that weight? What are you doing? Well, we basically know the, the basic ingredients of health. In fact, we've heard them pretty much since, you know, elementary school, you know, like fifth or sixth grade health class right? Uh, what are the four basic components of, of getting healthy? What are you got to do what? Shout them out. Okay, you got to exercise, you got to eat right, you got to get plenty of rest, and you need to drink water. I mean, you've heard that your entire life, right? Well, guess what? There are several basic habits to being spiritually fit. Now, there's a lot of different habits that we could talk about. Just like in physical fitness, there's a lot of different you know, components, things that people can do and, and incorporate into their lives. But there are some basic habits. And there's a lot of different spiritual habits that we could talk about. But there are some very core, basic habits. In fact, I would argue that we've already talked about two of them so far in the series. You know, First of all, we talked about the habit or the discipline of fellowship. And uh, you know, it was Life Group Sunday, and I challenge you to make the commitment... I will get connected. I will develop relationships. I will get connected, you know, relationally with other people. We, we challenge you to sign up for a life group, Life Group Sunday. And of course, again, we have a couple of groups that start tonight, a men's group, women's group. We got groups all this week. And then uh, last week, I challenged you with the, with about making the habit, developing the discipline of your life of serving, of ministry. And the challenge was, I challenge you to make this commitment, I will volunteer to serve. That is a discipline. That's a basic core discipline. Getting connected relationally, growing with other people, and getting connected in ministry, and, and understanding that everything you have is a gift from God, and you ought to serve him by serving other people. Well, so those are two basic habits. Today, I want us to wrap up this series, I will, by talking about two more habits. I would say two more core commitments that will lead to your spiritual growth, that will lead to your spiritual fitness. The habit of developing a quiet time and the habit or the discipline of giving. Now, again, why these four habits? You know, the habit of fellowship, the habit of serving, the habit of uh, a quiet time, the habit of giving. Um, well, because I believe that those basic four habits, they involve your time, your relationships, and your money. And if you get God right at the center of your time, your money, and your relationships, listen to me, you are well on your way to being spiritually fit, to growing in your spiritual life, to, to being a healthy, growing Christian. Now, 
Here's today's commitment that I want to challenge everybody in this room to make. It's there on the top of your outline. I will honor God with my time and my treasure. I will honor God in 2017. I'm not going to make excuses any longer. It's not I could or I might or I should, but I will. I will honor God with my time and my treasure. Now, in, in both of these habits or these disciplines that I want to talk about today, we're going to follow basically the same little outline. You can see that there uh, on, on, your, on your outline in your bulletin this morning. We're going to talk about the reason. You know, in other words, well, why should I start this habit? Why should I incorporate this discipline into my life? You need to know the routine. You know, okay, practically, how do I do this? What does it look like? And then I think you ought to know what the results are going to be. You know, where are you headed? What's, what's the end game here, okay? In fact, I think if you, know, if you start any habit in your life, any discipline, you ought to know those th- three things. The reason for it, the routine, the results. So, let's start with your time. I will honor God with my time. And again, what I'm talking about here this morning is a daily time in your life, a daily commitment, a habit that you make of spending time reading your Bible and in prayer. That you, you listen to God, you, 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 you talk to him, he talks to you through his word, through the spirit, whether that's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour. In fact, I'm not even talking really about the amount. I am just saying that every day in your life, you need to sit down you know, in a quiet spot, in a quiet time, and talk to God. And let him talk to you through his word and through his spirit. Uh, traditionally, that's very simply called a quiet time. In fact, the Bible says in Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without what? Without ceasing. Now, what do both of those verses tell me? They tell me that it's a habit. It's a part of your life. It's a discipline. So, the reason, and now let me say this, by the way. There's a lot of reasons for developing a quiet time. I mean, in fact, I would basically say that, you know, the the core reason for any spiritual discipline in your life is just the love relationship with God, okay? But let me me talk about uh, a very specific reason why I think you should have time with God every day. Here it is, to get direction from God, to get direction from Him. In fact, Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5, listen to this. He says, show me the path where I should go, O Lord. Now listen to this. Point out the right road for me to walk. Lead me. You know, I would have to say to you today that every single major decision, and probably not just the major ones, but a lot of the minor ones or small ones, but every, for sure, every major decision I have ever made in my life, it has flowed out of a quiet time, out of spending time with God, talking to him, listening to him. You know, where I was going to go to college, you know, who I was going to marry, the decision to start a family, you know, uh, the direction of our church, every major decision here at this church, every single major decision that I've ever made has been made in a quiet time. I honestly do not know of a habit, a discipline that I could encourage you and challenge you to establish with, with more effect in your life than to say something like this, you know what, every day I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to listen to his voice. Okay? So that's, that's, the, that's the, the why. What, what does it look like? What's the routine? Very simply, let me make this quick statement. The routine is you get alone and you get a plan. You get alone and you get a plan. Okay? Jesus is our model. It says in Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and what? What did he do? He prayed. 
Now notice it says here, often. Here's Jesus, the Son of God. In other words, it was a habit. There were, there were very few people, if any, you know, who, lead busy, who led busier lives than Jesus did. You know, you're not busier than Jesus, okay? And yet Jesus found time to get along with God because he wanted to have direction from the Father. Um, let, let me ask you a question. This is really, um, you know, kind of relevant for today. Raise your hand. How many of you believe everything you see on television? Okay, okay, the moron, right? no, I'm just saying, no, no, okay, you know, seriously, nobody does, right? I mean, how many of you believe everything you see on the internet? I mean, some of you, you think you do, right? I mean, we have this thing called today, you know, like fake news or alternative facts or whatever. I mean, it's obviously no. Okay, but let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How many of you believe what the Bible says and would admit that the Bible can have a, daily, a positive impact on your life if you would apply it? Okay. I mean, isn't that amazing? Then let me ask you a question. This is so basic. Then why, why do we spend so much more time reading, listening, and watching something that truthfully, many times, we're not even sure we believe than something we do? You know, you, you need a daily time with God. Get alone and get a plan. Let's talk about really quickly just getting a plan, okay? Because, you know, one of the... You know, you think about even like your physical fitness, your financial fitness, your financial health. You know, um, it, it's great to, uh, you know, to know that you should do that, but until you actually pay, make it a part of your routine. And typically it's the small things done consistently over time that make a difference. And it's, it's planning. You know, I mean, how many of you would say that, you know, if, when you plan out your meals or you plan, you know, when you go to bed at night, if you actually like prepare, you know, your lunch or your food for tomorrow, it's so much easier, isn't it? Well, what is that? That's a plan, right? It's just a plan. Well, let me give you just a couple of really tips. In fact, it's there on your outline, uversion.com. You know, some of you are so, you know, social, you know, you're, you're very adept, social media and Facebook and, you know, all that kind of Instagram and Twitter and all that. Listen, if you're, if you're on the internet, if you're, you know, on a smartphone device, man, if you're not using uversion, it's such a great uh, resource and tool. Uh, it, it's a website. It's an app that you can download onto your phone. You can get notifications. But it, it'll, it'll give you hundreds, hundreds of, of daily devotionals that you could read every day. It'll, it'll help you step you through a book of the Bible to read. You know, what I'm saying is you've got to figure out what your plan is. And I don't believe that there's a, you know, a one-size-fits-all for everybody, you know, for spiritual fitness, for a devotion life. You know, for, I, I don't believe that. You know, I think some of you, you know, if you've never read through the Bible, man, that'd be, that'd be a great, awesome thing to do. Some of you, that's going to be a little overwhelming. You're going to get started, and you're going to hit Leviticus, and you're going to give up, okay? And it's maybe not a, not a good thing. By the way, get a, get a translation of the Bible that's readable and understandable. We don't live in 16th century anymore. Give up the King James Version. It's beautiful. The language is, is, a, is, is wonderful. It's beautiful. But we don't talk like that anymore. And some of you get bogged down in that. Get, get a good, you know, readable, understandable translation and get a plan. You know, whether you sign up for a reading plan through version, you go to the, you know, a bookstore, actually, and get a book and get a devotional. But, but every day, I mean, some of you would be great, you know, to, if you've never read through the Bible or any part of the Bible before, uh, read through the Gospel of John. You know, for a lot of time in my own quiet time, uh, a lot of times I'll read a psalm and a proverb every day, a psalm and a proverb. Uh, maybe, maybe you're someone who actually needs to write things down, and so you follow like a, an acrostic, Acts, you know, where you spend a couple of minutes in adoration and praise and thanks to God and confession and thanksgiving, and then you pray for other people. But, but get a plan. 
Get a plan. Get alone with God. You know, have that time that you set aside and get a plan. Now, what's the result? What's the result of, of doing this in your life? The result is just one little thing. You get God's help. I mean, listen to me, there are so many, there are incredible promises in the Bible that if you would spend time with God every day, promises of success, promises of blessing, promises of guidance, of, of help and strength, and on and on and on, you get the help from the Almighty God. John 15, 7, Jesus said, if you would remain in me, and listen to this, and my words remain in you, then you may ask for anything you wish and you shall have it. Now, Notice, though, there are two conditions there. See, a lot of times we talk about the promises found in in, in Scripture, but with every promise, there's a premise, okay? And there are two premises here. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, what's what's he talking about? He's talking about a quiet time. He's talking about, over time, you aligning your will and your desires for your life with God, and God's will, and God's desire. And man, if you get that in line, then sure, what you ask for, you will have. Because your desire and your will is lined up with God's will for your life. Now listen to this. Satan will fight nothing harder in your life than to keep you from having a quiet time. I mean, he is plotting even before you wake up in the morning to keep you out of God's word. And, and, and listen, the moment you wake up, typically, you can think of 30 things you got to do, can't you? And man, some of you, man, you, you hit the ground running, and, uh, you know, and, if, and, and for many of you, if you don't have your quiet time when you first wake up, when you first get up, you're not going to have it the rest of the day because you get going and you run at such hard RPMs, the moment you hit the ground, you're revved up and you get going and you're on to five other things. And so you've either got to have that time at the beginning of the day or it doesn't get done. But let me say this. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, Pastor Chris, what's the best time to have a quiet time? My simple answer for that is whenever you're at your best. What's the best time to have your quiet time? Well, when are you at your best? Now, I think, again, there's not a one-size-fit-all, you know, for devotional life and a quiet time. Um, It's different for different people. Raise your hand this morning if you're a a morning person. You love the morning. You're good. You wake up, man. You're full of the joy of the Lord, and it's great. You know, listen, you should have your quiet time in the morning. How many of you are night people? You're night owls. You don't believe in God before noon. I mean, you just get up and, you know, it's not like, good morning, Lord. It's good, Lord, it's morning. I mean, you know, that's you, okay? Typically, by the way, a a morning person marries a night person. But anyway... um, then you should have your quiet time, you know, in, in, at night, in the evening. Again, a time with God every day. You know, the, the, I, there really is, there's not a commitment that, I could, that you could make that had, could have a more positive impact on your life. And, uh, and that's the first part of the commitment today that I want you to make. I will honor God with my time. Now let me say this, about all these commitments that we've taken... You know, whether it's, you know, to get healthy or to reach my friends for Christ or to, you know, to get connected, to join a life group, you know, to serve. Everybody in this room, we've all got a next step. And uh, for many of you, uh, you know, this, in this area right here, honoring God with your time, you've got a next step to take. Everybody does. For some of you, it's, it's to get started. You've never, and by the way, uh, pick up uh, if, if you don't have one of, the, uh, one of these books yet, uh, the book that I wrote, Next Steps, that we give away, there's a, a great little uh, you know, chapter in there about developing a quiet time. 
And for some of you, that's, that's the next step, just to get started. For some of you, maybe it's been, you know, you've gone through seasons where you've been, you know, pretty disciplined. It's kind of a part of your life, but, but you're kind of in a, you know, in a, in a dry season right now. So your next step is to, you know, to get at it again. And hey, that's okay. You know, to, today's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. Get started again. You know, God's not going to zap you, man. He's going to welcome you back, you know. He's excited about that. For some of you, it's, it's a real part of your, I mean, it's, it's definitely ingrained into your life as a habit. And so maybe for you, periodically, you know, just like if you go to the gym pretty regularly and you get into a routine, every so often it's good to mix it up a little bit. Try something different. Do a different workout. Maybe for some of you, you've never incorporated memorizing scripture into your quiet time. You've got to find something. Everybody has a next step. Maybe for you, it's journaling. Maybe for you, again, it's scripture memory. What is your next step? And I want to challenge you to take that today. I will honor God with my time, and this is my next step. In fact, on the back of your Connect card today, that's one of the blanks. You know, I will honor God with my time and my treasure, and then everybody's got a next step. Now, let's continue. Let's talk about the second part here, honoring God with your treasure. And yes, I'm talking about your money. Now, let me say this from the get-go. I realize that any time a pastor or a church talks about money, for a lot of people, that could be a touchy subject. I mean, it was funny. One time I, I did a message, and like, maybe like one, literally one-fifth of the message was about money or giving or something, and somebody uh, filled out a Connect card or something, or man, it might have been a review or something online. And man, you would have thought that I, in fact, I think they literally said, he spent like an hour just you know, begging for money or something like that. It was not, the sermon was nothing like that. And you, know, you just heard that one little part. I do realize that people come, and they think, well, the only thing a church wants you know, is your money. And for a lot of people, it's an issue of power. Power, uh, and control, and it's a touchy subject. Now, there are many of you here today, and maybe you're here for the very first time even, and, uh, and you're like, oh my goodness, or you're here, you're not even a follower of Jesus yet, you know, and uh, you're thinking, oh my goodness, great, I come to church, and they're talking about money. I knew it, I knew it. Now, let me say this. I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a great Sunday that you're here, and I think this is important. Because if there's an area of, of life, of everyday life, that is not working, it's, it's finances, it's money. I mean, people are, are crashing. People are, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, listen, I meet with people. I, I talk, you know, about mar- marriage with people. And, uh, I mean, people are drowning in debt. You know, not just uh, credit debt anymore. You know, it's student loan debt and on and on and on and on. And yet, we've got the answers, you know, I think we ought to talk about money here. I think we ought to talk about relationships here. I think we ought to talk about sex here. Why? Because the world's way is not working, but God's way works. So, let's talk about it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, listen to this. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. Now let me say this, as we go into this today, I want to challenge you just to have an open mind and an open heart and let the Lord speak to you. Now, again, some of you might be thinking, well, why, why talk about this? Why talk about money? Why talk about giving? Well, Paul kind of lays it out for us right there. I mean, did you, did you realize what he's saying is that he puts giving in the same category, follow that, as growing in your faith, growing in biblical knowledge, even in our love for other people. In fact, in other words, what Paul is saying here, when it comes to growing spiritually, developing the habit of giving is just as important in your spiritual growth as Bible study, 
as prayer, as attending church, as being in a life group. Now, just like every area of our lives, and I've already kind of talked about that, you know, financially, physically, uh, you know, in, in your quiet time, everybody in this room has a next step to take in the area of your giving. Everybody's got a next step to take. We are, we are all at different places in this uh, important area in our lives. For some of you, for some of you, your next step in the area of giving and your resources and your treasure is, is just to simply get started. It is just to simply get started. You know, some of you come to Coastal, you, you would even say this is your church home, you worship here regularly, you might even serve here, but guess what? You don't give anything. And you go, well, but you know, I serve, I give my time. Not the same. It's not. You need to start giving. For others of you, your next step possibly might be uh, to start giving consistently. Okay, give consistently. You, you give very sporadically. And what I'm saying here is that for you, you actually need to think it through and, and to make it a consistent part of your worship. That you actually, sit, if you're married, you sit down with your spouse and as you, t- you develop your budget, you put your giving at the top of that budget and you pray about it and you make it a part of your worship. You know, for some of you, maybe you give consistently, but your next step is you haven't started giving proportionately yet. Proportionately. And what I mean by that is, is that it's time for some of you to step out in faith and start tithing. That you, 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 you know, go to the biblical standard of tithing. You start that. Tithing, it is the spiritual habit of giving the first 10% of everything that God blesses you with and your income back to the hymn. In other words, I keep 90%, he gets at least 10. In fact, God could have said, give me 90, you keep 10. But he didn't. He said, you give me the first 10% of your income. Why? Because he needs your money? Because the church needs your money? No. He wants what it represents. He wants your life. And all of us, listen, we spend most of our life making, saving, spending, acquiring money. And so all throughout scripture, you see that. If God is not first in your money, in your finances, regardless of what you say, regardless of what you do, he's not first in your life. And so he says, as a reminder to you, that it all came from him in the first place, that you wouldn't have anything if it weren't for him. And as an act of faith, and and trusting him to provide for your needs in the future, he says, I want you to give at least the first 10% back to me. So let's make that really simple. You get $100 a week, what's 10% of that back to God? $10, it wasn't that hard, come on. You know, you're like, oh, all of a sudden I can't do math. That's that new math, Pastor Chris. No, listen, you make $1,000 a week, you give at least $100 back to God. That's the principle of tithing. Let me say this. Every growing Christian that I know, every growing mature Christian that I know, tithes. Period. That's as clear as I can say it. Every growing mature Christian tithes. Why? Because it says God is not just first in my time, he's first in every area of my life, my money. Now, why in the world would you do that? I mean, the truth is, you got friends, people you work with, people you know, you start doing that, they think you are. You've gone to crazy town, okay? Why would you do that? Here's the reason. It draws me closer to God. In fact, Jesus, listen to this. Jesus said the same thing. Matthew 6, 21, he said, for where your what is, where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. 
In other words, it is where we spend our resources, it's where we spend our money, it's where we put our money that determines where our heart is going to end up. And so, where we invest our money, soon our heart and our desire will follow that. Now think about it this way. Last week's Super Bowl, you know, if, if anybody here, if you bet on the Falcons or you bet on the Patriots, whoever you bet on, on that, I'm not promoting gambling or betting, I'm just saying if you pl- placed a bet on any one of those teams, guess what? You paid close attention to your team, didn't you? You paid attention to the score. You paid attention you know, to what was going on, everything they did. You cared about whether or not they won, they lost, or they covered the spread. I don't even know what that means. But anyway, you cared about all that, right? Why? Because your money was there. And Jesus said, so wherever your treasure goes, soon your heart will follow. Your desires, what's important to you, always follows your money. It's where you invest your money that determines where your heart goes. That is a biblical principle straight from the mouth of Jesus. And what it means is this. If you and I want to make God a priority in our lives, you want to love God more? You don't do it just by saying it. You make that a priority in your money, and then your heart follows. It draws closer to God. Jesus said it. It's true. You see, many times we think, oh, okay, you know what? I'll read my Bible, I'll pray, I'll go to church, I'll be in a life group, I'll grow spiritually. And then you get to a point and you realize, you know what? Something is missing. I'm not as close to God as I want to be. And one of the reasons for many of you is you're missing the habit of generosity. And spiritually speaking, you're never going to be where you should be with God when your heart is following your money somewhere else. You know, I've heard this over and over again. I believe this to be true. If you want to know the priority of people's lives, you look at two things, the two things we're talking about today, your calendar and your checkbook. You know, then you'll discover what what your priority is. And when when you give back to God in gratitude for what he's done to you, for how he's blessed you, it draws you closer to him. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Listen, Again, God doesn't need your money, but he wants what it represents. And he says, listen, if you can't do it cheerfully, don't do it, because it doesn't count. What he wants you to do is to give it because you say, God, you know what? Everything I have comes from you. You know, I wouldn't have my mind, I wouldn't have the ability if it weren't for you. And so I'm trusting you to make the 90% go further than if I had the whole 100%. On top of that, let me give you another reason. It helps me keep my priorities straight. Deuteronomy 14.23 says, the purpose of tithing is to, get, uh, to give God a lot of money. It doesn't say that, does it? It says the purpose of tithing is to teach you what? Always put God first in your life. You know, you can say that all day long. You can say, well, God's number one. He's first in my life. But I'm telling you, if he's not first in your wallet, he's not first in your life. Now, What's the routine? How does this work? Practically, what do you do? Well, uh, the routine is you give according to your income. Again, that's an idea of proportionately, you know, how you get paid. Now, very few people here in this room anymore, uh, there are some who get paid weekly, some do, but probably a lot of you get paid, you know, monthly or bi-monthly. Look at this verse with me, so practical, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the what? On the first day of every week, 
set aside some of what you have earned and give it as an offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Notice it says, you know, set aside some. It also says the first day of the week. What's the first day of every week? Sunday. Why does he say you should give it on Sunday? Because tithing is an act of worship. Listen, you can give to the United Way. You can give to the American Cancer Society. You can give to a lot of causes, and they're all great and good. But you know what? That is not an act of worship because tithing is not charity. Tithing is an act of worship. He says, give according to what you have earned, weekly, biweekly, monthly, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, you give it. Why? Because you're in church. And giving of your tithes and offering to God is as, as much a part of your worship as anything else we do here. You know, singing, praying, fellowship, teaching. And now with all the different ways we have to give, you can actually give immediately as God provides, as God blesses. Whether you text or you give online, you know, you get paid, you can give. You can make that a part of your worship in your life. God says, I want this to be a special part of your worship. Every pay period, he wants you to set aside the first fruits of your labor and you give it back to him. And it, it, it's a consistent reminder that if we are trusting God, and he's number one in our life. And let me say this, that is a basic habit of every dynamic Christian that I know. Now, what's the result? You know, why in the world should you ever even do this? Well, one result is incredible blessing. Incredible blessing. Malachi 3.10, listen to this. Bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I won't throw, up the, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. Wow. Man, there, there are more promises in the Bible about giving than almost any other topic. In fact, the Bible says giving tests uh, how much you love God. It tests your faith. But I could say that all day long. And it's not going to make sense to some of you until you try it. This is one of those lessons in life you're not going to understand until you experience. And you'll, you'll, you'll hear people say, you know, you can't outgive God. But until you try it and you stay faithful, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And it's as though God knows that in Malachi 3.10. And he says, test me in this. This is the Pepsi challenge verse of the Bible. He is double dog challenging you. He is taunting you. Come on. Put me to the test. I double dog dare you. In fact, we will go so far at Coastal to believe God that he is faithful that we, every so often I'll issue, I call it the, the tithe challenge, the three-month tithe, tithe challenge. Some of you have never done that. You're giving, you know, you started giving, you started giving, you know, consistently, and, you know, if you would look at your income, maybe you, you've moved up a little bit, but you've never stepped out in faith and tried to put God to the test in tithing. I believe that God's promises are real and that he's faithful, that if you will try and tithe for three months, Three months. And if God in some way, shape, or form doesn't provide, doesn't bless you and your life in some way, we will give it all back to you. Okay, we'll just, we'll give it back. You know, I mean, you put on your connect card. I'm going to try the tithe challenge. We'll, 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 you know, we'll kind of help you with that. We'll monitor it and say, you know, because we'll, you know, and at the end of the, end of the three months, if some way, shape, or form, and I'm not saying you start tithing, you're going to get a check in the mail, okay? I'm not saying that's the way it works, okay? If people say that or preach that, those are charlatans, okay? I'm not, we, we don't teach that here at Coastal. But what I am saying is that God is faithful. He will provide, and in some way, shape, or form, he will bless you. And some of you are saying, well, Pastor Chris, I can't afford to tithe. Let me just say this as lovingly as I can. You can't afford not to. 
You know, because the world's way, this is the world's way. We just like, okay, you know, I try to make ends meet, and, you know, whatever I have at the end, then maybe I'll give a little something back to God. Man, what would happen if you put God at the top of that budget, and you, and you, you know, so, so often what we do, we just do our finances however we want to, and we make adjustments accordingly. Well, why not put God at the top of that list? You know, I really believe in this principle, that whatever you give to God, he blesses. You give God your time, he will bless your time. Some of your, your, your calendars and your lives, man, they are out of control. And you're way too busy and you're, you're, you're way overcommitted to things that really don't make a difference in this world. But if you would put God first in your time, you'll have more than enough time to accomplish what God has planned for you to do. You know, stop asking God to bless your marriage and your relationships if you're not willing to put him first in it. You know, whatever you put God, however you honor God, you give him your talents, he will bless your talents. You give him the first fruit of your finances, he will bless them. Now, again, everybody in this room, you got a next step to take. You know, some of you have been very faithful, you know, in, uh, and, and let me just say this, oh my goodness, you know, the generosity of the people in this church, and, and, and uh, you know, this church is, is completely financed by the consistent uh, generous giving of the people of Coastal Community Church. I didn't win the lottery. You know, we're not financed by some outside organization, and it's not just a few people bankrolling this church. Man, we, we have so many people who have put this, you know, put God to the test, and so I'm just overwhelmed with, but, but I will say this, everybody in this room has a next step to take. And for some of you, maybe, you know, you've been very um, uh, consistent, and you give proportionately, and uh, I would t- tell you, then it's time for you to start praying about you know, moving to the, the biblical step of generosity. You see, tithing is obedience. That's what you do with the 10%. Generosity is what you do with the rest. And uh, you start praying and thinking about how you can be generous above and beyond. Uh, but everybody's got a next step to take. And look back at the commitments, or think about the commitments that I've challenged you to make this, in this series. I will reach my friends for Christ. I will get healthy. I will get connected. I will volunteer to serve. And I will honor God with my time and my treasure. Listen, if you would make those commitments, if you would move into action in those areas, I promise you, 2017 will be a year like no other. The world's way doesn't work. God's way works. Man, move toward him and take some next steps. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, Check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.